Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, what's the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your whole life? You know, when I look in the mirror each morning, I see a face. And it's yours. That's where I put your photo. What? Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech director out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, the only person at Church Gear to dodge a giant flying piece of plywood on the interstate. And I'm here with my boss, who could dodge anything on the interstate with ease, Toby Walters. You dodged a giant piece of plywood? Don't worry, I wasn't driving a company vehicle at this moment. Uh, that would have made it better, though. Um, we were coming back from Jackson from my wife's cousin's wedding. And I'm not kidding, guys. Like, this piece of plywood was probably about eight foot wide, eight foot long. I mean, it was huge. And it flies out of this truck. And it's like, it's coming full frontal. And I like dodge over to the right. And then the wind pushes it down and it slides under. It was wild. Were there any four-letter words that escaped your mouth? Uh, you were a good Christian. Uh, there was a lot of four-letter words, which was just repeated, Lord, Lord, Lord. There you go. Um, I, I don't remember dodging something on the freeway, but I did not dodge urine from a cow. Oh, God. What? <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. I was on the freeway in, uh, in Nashville, and there was like a, you know, a farm trailer with, or a livestock trailer in front of me. And all of a sudden I see like water on my windshield and it's like, it's coming at me and I'm like, it's not raining. It's totally sunny out. And then I look and like, yeah, the cow in the back of this trailer is urinating and it's just flying right on my windshield. Gracious. Did that, uh, did, did you have any cows urinate on you when you were moving from San Diego uh, to Texas? So it's quite possible. And, and nice, nice segue there, Blake. You know, well, I'm a, on. I'm a, a sucker for a segue. So. Um, we, we actually do this a lot and uh, I'm going to teach you this trick. It's called a life hack. Oh yes. Do you have any life hacks, Blake? My, my first life hack is uh, watch Toby and do what he does. And that's, that's right. carried me this far. That'll carry you far. So the life hack, um, when I was moving, so I grew up in Southern California and my wife and I lived in San Diego until mid twenties. And then we we're going to move to Austin, Texas. And if you rent a Penske or U-Haul truck in California and move out, it's crazy expensive. Oh, you love expensive stuff. Yes. So I, I just love spending lots and lots of money on anything. So I, I was like, this is ridiculous. It was like 3,500 bucks. And we're talking, you know, 2006. That's a lot of money. Yes. So I just started playing games with the Penske website. I'm like, well, what if I rented it, you know, 90 miles closer to um, Texas? And so I just kept pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out. And I found this sweet spot. In Tucson, Arizona, if I flew to Tucson and drove the truck back to San Diego, picked up everything, and then drove to Texas, I'd save over $1,000. Oh, nice. Even with the flight costs, with like 
getting oh, with the flight costs. Yes, with the flight costs. I'm talking it was crazy money. So I thought, well, there's no way I'm not going to do this. And so we'll even, you know, hack the system now when we have to rent trucks to get gear. We'll we'll like kind of do that sweet spot. Do we want to rent it here? Do we want to rent it there? Don't, don't tell people, Toby. That's a secret. <laughs> it's it's a proprietary information. Yes. So as I'm uh I, I honestly don't know if it was when I went to pick up the truck in Tucson or when I was driving back through. I saw the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I didn't know I had any billboards in my face out there, but I guess I did. Uh, I think it might have been your doing, but it was a uh, a home, will air quote, home for rent. And it was on, the, you know, we can say the side of the freeway. It's on the other side of the fence of the freeway up on a little hill. And it's like it's a mobile home. And somebody put a sign out you know, saying that it was for sale. And by sign, I mean, they literally spray painted all over the side of the mobile home for sale to bed to Bant. (laughs) (laughs) They spray painted the house. Yes. It was like a white mobile home and they spray painted in red spray paint. For sale, two bed, two bant. And you know what? In this real estate market, I bet that sold for half a million nowadays. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know who would never spray paint his house? No, I don't. I, I think I do. I'll, I'll tell you. It is the uh, pastor of live production at Zion City Southwest and owner of production and lighting design at Fuller Lights, Alex Fuller. Alex, can you confirm you would never spray paint a house? I would uh, confirm that. Yes. Nope. Never have and don't plan on doing it in the future. And if uh, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in Tucson, would you often be considered the smartest thing ever seen in Tucson? Put me down for a strong maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, Alex, uh, how confident are you in your lie? Because me and Toby have been pretty off our game recently, and we've not guessed it in what feels like 100 years. Uh, how confident are you you're going to fool us? I'm pretty confident. I also just want to say thank you guys for having me on your podcast. I appreciate you guys and uh, looking forward to this. Well, Thanks, man. you might not thank us at the end, but yeah, we'll see if you still like us by the end of it. Okay, here we go. Number one, I have been to 49 of the 50 states. Are we counting territories? I, like, I don't think you count territories. Puerto Rico? No. no. Okay. Because then he'd have to say that yeah, unless okay. that's the lie. Number two, I toured with Bon Jovi. I don't think Alex is old enough to have toured with Bon Jovi unless Bon Jovi is younger than I remember. I mean, he, he has sort of that Leonardo DiCaprio baby face. So. Mm. Number three, I'm, I met. I met Bono one time. There you go. I want that to be true because I have a story. Hang on. Bono and Bon Jovi are different people. All right. Um, Blake, hold on. Who's Bono? Oh, gosh. Alex, this is wow. for Seriously? real. Seriously? Are you really, you look like you're 12 and you're just confirming I'm, that. I'm 29, so I'm I'm an old man at this point. Um, Bono, I don't know. He's a, he's an artist. He, uh, he's oh the lead singer of that band that you don't like because they were stuck on your iTunes. This literally has come, just came, well, now this is in the past or the future. Uh, gosh, I need to go back to the future of the past. But yeah, that just came out an episode where I was like, that's the dumb band that put their their song on my, their album on my iPod. You yeah, too? sorry for the free music. That's yeah. literally what you said on that episode. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Where are we at here? Number I, four. I just want to say to our listening audience, again, this is for real. Blake is really <laughs> this dumb. Oh my gosh. I, I just do not know music. And I I I work and I've been to one concert my whole life, and yet I work at, you know, a and music that was the Beach production. Boys, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Number four. I did my first coast to coast tour when I was 20. 
Alex, don't let that be true. You're going to make me look real bad. Number five, I bungee jumped off Victoria Falls in Africa. Well, I want that to be true, too, because my brother did that. Well, and were you blessing the falls in Africa when you were doing it? It's the rains, not the falls. uh, Well, that could be his angle. Sixth and finally, I have been doing production for over 20 years. Alex, do you know uh, Robbie Kurtz? Yeah, we're good friends. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah, we've had him on the pod, too. So he started, I think it was at 18, he did the Natalie Cole tour. So, yeah, we'll see if uh, if you lie, you know, the Coast to Coast tour when you're 20, then Robbie wins. But mm-hmm. if maybe his lie is like, nope, it was actually 17, then he beats Robbie. So, Toby, I've got a confession here. I know the lie. Oh, okay. As the producer. So me, should I just guess then? Yes. So I'm, I'm going to remain anonymous in this discussion. I, I can still soundboard with you, I guess, to a okay. degree, but... You're the, you're taking the shot for us cumulatively. I'm putting my fate in your hands, which I pretty much already do on a daily basis. So I'm just going to grab the lie based on the story I want to tell. So as far as meeting Bono, I want to see if he's lying about that. So my wife's college roommate, one of her best friends, worked for the Bill Gates Foundation. And she was just sort of like her job was client relations. So she was Bono's liaison anytime he would come and visit with the Bill Gates Foundation. She had his cell phone number. He brought her flowers when he'd come to visit. And, I mean, she was not, I mean, she certainly, she knew who you 2 was, Blake, but she wasn't like a crazy fangirl. Mm. So I know a person who knows Bono, and now I want to see if I know too. And so, Alex, you too can meet Bono one time. Is that the lie, Alex? Uh yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Boom, shakalaka. Suck it, Blake. But I do have what? to say this. We won together. Doing, yes, I would I would have to do say this. Uh I was at we were doing I was doing a big party in Seattle. This is a while back, and uh we were doing all the production, it was a big party. And they didn't they the host would not tell us, the client would not tell us who was coming to this party. And it's like an old industrial area, and they just like set it up, big party but we're not telling you who's coming. And so we're like, okay, so we do everything and I get it all set up, dialed in. And then the thing opens up and, you know, we're taking turns, you know, board up and then playing around and run lights and stuff. And uh, I'm like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. So I go walking across the floor. And as I walk, as I go walking across the room, like full of these people, I see like a the security guy with like this hat on that said you too, because I actually know who that band was. And, <laughs> and then behind, right as I'm walking past, Bono walks right past behind the guy and he walks right past me. And I was like as close as I ever got to him, but, uh, but I didn't actually meet him. So he, yeah. So Lee Fields, I don't know if he said he met Justin Bieber, but they like they walked by each other and kind of gave the like dude nod like sup. And then they That's sat nice. next to each other in church. So I don't know nice. if I, I mean, I think Bono's cooler than Bieber. Oh, totally. You don't even know who Bono is. You don't is even know who he like. is. But <laughs> yeah, I but agree. I can tell by y'all's clout <laughs> that he's probably better than, you know, the Biebs. <laughs> the Biebs. There's no such thing as Bono fever, I guess. So then when go. did you tour with Bon Jovi? Uh, so I was with Bon Jovi in like, oh, man, let me think, like, oh, four, oh, five, somewhere in there. And were you doing lights? Uh, I was actually doing video. Okay. Yeah. So um, on tour, video guys make way more money. And so I was like, hey, I had the right hookup and got, and some guy called me. I was like, hey, man, you want to come out on this tour? And I was like, sure. And, and Blake, uh, who is Bon Jovi? Look, Toby, don't do this to me again. <laughs> 
He is a musical artist whose name is Bon Jovi. Wow. I bet I, I bet if you sang some songs of his, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know who that guy is. Well, there's this little one you might have heard of called Living on a Prayer. Oh, yeah. We're halfway there. Okay, Blake, okay. you got it. Yes. Okay. Way to redeem yourself. Nice, See, nice. there are, I would be willing to bet there's t- these artists. I don't connect their name, but like I know I know the songs. So, OK, I'd love to see you on Jeopardy, Blake. Oh, gosh, Man, I would, that'd be fun. Well, you know, through my debate days, um, I learned so many random things because I have to become an expert on something for 30 minutes and do that six times in a weekend. So I think I could crush Jeopardy until it got to music. <laughs> Anything pop culture, related. anything yeah, related to yeah. pop culture, unless or, it was Justin Bieber. Yeah, there we go. I'm I'm one of the Biebs. Okay, so uh, first tour when you were 20. So you were two years later than Robbie Kurtz, but who was this tour? Uh, it, I, if you guys remember, uh, Acquire the Fire back in the day. Oh, I do. That's a cool name. Yeah, it was like a, uh, it was kind of like a Christian MTV styled uh, conference, like weekend conference. It was like a Friday night, all day Saturday event. And there was bands and drama and speakers and pyro and all sorts of crazy fun stuff and oh, uh nice. yeah that was the first one and then um i was actually working uh my dad owned the lighting company so i started doing lighting before that and then just got the right opportunity and went out on the road and lived on a bus for a while it was super fun nice i mean it seems like you've definitely lived a many more years you, hang on i said that wrong you have experience you have more experience than oh gosh Use your words, Blake. I, I promise I'm drinking tea right now. This is, um, you have, you've got more experience than your years would suggest. Um, when we were researching you, we saw you'd gone from Saddleback to Bethel to Zion City. I mean, that's a lot of three big names. Boom, boom, pow. I mean, tell us tell us kind of a, about your journey and your, your background into church tech. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I kind of grew up working at my dad's local lighting company and, um, and then did an internship and then ended up getting to go out on tour with a kind of Christian tour. And then I did that for a few years and um, actually did that one year and then uh, ended up at a production company and was kind of a secular production company. And then kind of, despite what the movie school of rock says, one great rock show can't change the world. (laughs) And so I was kind of just like kind of done with it. And, uh, and so I kind of just looked, went online and started looking for church jobs and Saddleback had an opening and I applied and they hired me. And so hang so, on, you did the reverse of what a ton of our guests do. Most of our guests are like, they start in the church world, then they go on tour, then they come back to the church world, some version of that. You did all secular, then you came to the church world. That's kind of unique. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I haven't thought about it because, yes, yeah, so I did Bon Jovi. I was out with Nickelback. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, fine, I know no, who I that is. Really. That's the, that's the that's that's a band that people hate. I think just at this point they enjoy hating them. Um, all right, so you you go to Saddleback. How long do you so stay I was at there? Saddleback for about four years, and it was gr- it was great. It was really my first um, big church experience, and uh, and yeah, they have you know I don't even know how many campuses they have now. They have lots of campuses all over. What years but, were you there? Oh man, now I'm gonna date myself. Um, yep. That year to that year. Uh, oh, Are you man, in your like later 20s when you go to Saddleback, I'm going to guess? Um, I was in my mid-20s. Man, you moved through the world quick. Yeah, I got... It's not the age, it's the miles, and I got a few miles on me. See, that's what you just said in two words, what I did in about 200 words earlier. Yes, yes. the age, not the miles. 
Yeah. So uh, I think I was 25 because I remember sitting with my wife who we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary this last week. Nice. And uh, I remember sitting with her at Saddleback and, and after we took the job and being like, wow, I'm like 25 and I was LD at this, you know, huge mega church. And I'm like, okay, I guess I need to dream bigger. Like what else God, like what else you got? And uh, so super fun. Learned a ton about church, uh, church politics. I think oh, tell us good. about that. We hear, we hear some, church, some things about that. You know, I think um, church in general, you know, we're made up of a bunch of, uh, you know, sinners and therefore it's not, you know, there's mess. And so, uh, you know, but we're all trying our best. So I think I just learned how to, I don't want to say play the game, but I learned how to, um, I think production, church production at churches is probably 50% education and 50% actually doing the job. And I say education is education, educating your, your oversight or your pastor, your leader, what, what is even necessary to do what they're asking to do. Mm. Yeah. We've heard, we've heard versions of that. Yes. Of like, I, I, when you have to tell them, no, part of my job is saying no, because X, Y, Z, or we don't have ABC or whatever that is. Right. I like to, you know, everybody, you you hear people say like lead with a yes. And nobody, nobody loves that negative Nancy crusty old production guy that's in the room with the creative (laughs) guys. No, we can't do that. Stu. we're not going to fly some guy across the room. Like, you know, but I, I was always, I very quickly realized, you know, I don't want to be that no guy. So I'm going to be the yes guy. I'm like, we can totally do that. It's like 30 grand. And they're like, we don't have 30 grand. I'm like, well, that's not like I'm saying, yeah, we can do it. You're the one at this point saying no. <laughs> Alex, so very- that was that that right there was one of my favorite tricks in consulting back in the day because I, I did consulting for a branding agency and we'd be like, yes, we'll do that. But I, I realized we kept becoming yes men so much that when I started showing the project cost up front, it quickly turned people more reasonable. So so good on you there. Yeah. So that was great. And then um I got the opportunity while I was at Saddleback to go, uh, one of my, somebody got my name from Bethel and they said, Hey, we're doing a, a tour and we need an LD to come out. And, uh, you want to come out for a couple of weeks and tour with us. And I was like, that sounds fun. At that point, honestly, though, I hadn't really ever heard. I, I knew Bethel was like a worship band or a worship, you know, a church, but I didn't really know their at what level they were at. And, uh, and so I went on that and that there, that tour changed my life. Like, if you've never experienced Bethel live, like the worship is hands down, just incredible. It's just amazing. So um, we've talked to so many guests that, you know, are on some of these incredible worship tours, Elevation, Bethel, Tomlin, yeah. and the the production value that they get to experience is you know, it's almost overwhelming, but it's also you're, you're doing a worship service and you're taking the best musicians, the best songs in this incredible environment and you're putting on this experience. How do we, you know, funnel this thing down to a local church that says, we don't have any of those resources. Like we can sing these Bethel songs, but you know, they don't sound the same way. And even just specifically lighting, like we've got four stage lights. What do we do? Yeah. I think the big thing is, is be you like, like there's already a Bethel like God already made one of those. We don't need another one. Like we need, you know, your church to be who you are to reach the people that you've been called to reach. And, uh, and that's why even right now at Zion city here, we're, 
you know, we are right. I feel like every, every church we're writing and producing our own music, which is to some degree, I'm like, okay. But I'm like, at the same time, like, if this is what God is doing here in this house, like this year, we're all about um, kind of the word we got is restore. And so um, for this year and, and our worship guys went together and they wrote a song and it's all about restoring. He's the restorer. And, and it's amazing. And you know what? even if it doesn't relate to anybody else, which I know it will, like it's changed people here. Therefore it's done its job. And, uh, you know, don't, don't you trying to be someone else is just a cheap imitation of that person. Like God's designed you to be original. So don't, you know, I'll get off the soapbox, but so, be you. and I love that we're using the little old lady church voice to represent these churches when they're, <laughs> So when the the church says, well, I'd love to get creative with ideas, but I don't have any resources. How do you like encourage churches? Like, I know you don't have resources, but like you have a creative mind that God's given you. Like, are they, are they creating a Pinterest board of church lighting design or? Yeah. I mean, I, and that's where I think it's like, know, know your audience, know your culture, like at your church, like no. You know, if you're a, you know, an elderly congregation and it's all, um, I respectively say, uh, lots of wisdom in the years, you know, um, you know, tailor towards that. Or if you're a younger demographic, tailor towards that. And I think too, I feel like nowadays, especially with, in referring to like, kind of like you talking about lighting and design and that kind of thing, in order to be original, you kind of have to do stuff custom. And there's inexpensive ways to do that. Cause I think everybody's got, you know, Oh, we got a screen and we got some lights and you know, we put it in a configuration. That's every single place you ever go. And so if you want something to look original, like come up with something custom and design something and figure out how to make it work. And so many designs we have done is, you know, we're at home Depot putting this thing together and this thing we have, we have some uh, pixel mapped led tape that's up right now. And some literally some plastic gutters we bought from home Depot some with plastic some, gutters from Home Depot. With some, you know, freezer paper as diffusion between these pieces of plastic. And they look incredible. Oh, that's amazing. So who's doing some, like, amazing things right now? Especially bonus points if they're smaller churches. Um, I know that you consult for smaller churches. Um, and, yeah. you know, the little old lady voice aside, like, we, we almost do that in a way of, like, we feel we're such in the trenches with them on trying to help them do do a lot with a right. little and trying to get them some gear they could have never afforded, all that kind of stuff. You're seeing another side of it, consulting. So so who's doing some amazing things right now, especially if they've, you know, got limited resources? Well, I think, you know, you know, church stage lighting, if you're on a budget, they're a great resource to look for different things. I personally haven't put, I don't think anything up there because honestly, I, I don't feel, it doesn't feel fair to me to be able to put something up there that, cause my budget is probably more substantial than the average churches, you know? However, I did at, you know, one year at Bethel for Christmas, they you gave me like a thousand dollar budget and they're like, let's see what we can do for a thousand dollars. And I was like, what <laughs> buy everyone dinner <laughs> right and and but it really challenged me to like okay let's come up with something that looks good and, and we did we came and it was christmas lights and some you know we had this gold foliage stuff and it was like you know it, and it looked nice and it was like the reality is like we spent a thousand bucks and it looks nice and it, it accomplished the thing um you know small churches out there that i'm like super like I don't honestly, none come to mind right now because I don't think they get the publicity that 
you know, that they deserve probably, you know, I, when you see great things, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who that is, but that's cool. And usually someone's ripped it off from someone and posted it and not tag that person. So if you, if you take someone's photo or you steal somebody's stuff, just tag them. Like, seriously, it's not your work. We know that. Just, Unless you don't know who they are. So when, Blake, right. That's fair. When Blake that's reposts fair. Bono and he's like, this one guy said this wise thing. I'll tell right. you who I like to repost is Fools of a Tech Booth and Rogue Worship Leader. And there's one more I'm forgetting on Instagram. Drinks on consoles. Drinks on consoles. There's a couple Instagram accounts for techs that are just so funny that I'll, yeah. I'll repost those and tag them. Okay, so yeah. Alex, a question. I love asking lighting guys because as I'm sitting in worship services, I often think this to myself. Um, you got audio, you got video, and then lighting. And I feel like for audio and video, it's a little more <laughs> obvious. But for lighting, how... Do you as a lighting director create an environment that connects the audience or congregation with the worship when the lights are like all on the band, all on the stage? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you draw in the, the congregation? Yeah, that's a good question. If, if you, hmm. well, first off, I'd say don't just put all your lights on the band. <laughs> that's what I first say. But I think light, I think lighting in general um, when people ask like, Hey, how do you know what to program? Or how do you know, um, you know, where to start? Or should I do this in the song? Or should I do this in the song? And uh, I always point it back to what is the music doing? Because all we're really doing just like the audio, the audio is amplifying what the what the what the music is doing, what the band is doing, and the lighting, we're just doing the same thing, but we're just doing it visually. And so, you know, if the band is, uh, you know, if the tempo and the, and the energy is up there, then, you know, you know, broadly it would be brighter on the band ish you know and if it's a somber more down moment maybe you know we dim it down a little bit but um i think too as if you're on stage and you're just lighting in the band the band and the singers you know whatever the brightest thing is will draw your attention and so whether it's the leader that's singing and you have them just a little bit hotter or if there's a you know a, a guitar solo thing that you want to um you know accent in worship, I usually don't want to do that because I'm like, that's not why we're here. It's not for the guitar solo. So I don't do that. But, um, you know, do you have a theory on like house lights where, where you like to have them or does it depend on the situation? Yeah, I've in the last, it's funny. I, in the last, um, in the last couple, I guess maybe in the last month, actually, I've really been challenged by some so some new design stuff that's out there and kind of where does I feel like the church design is going um, comparatively to what it's been for the last 20 years. And I think there's this big shift coming. And I was, I was a long time um, against colored house lights, like being able to color house lights. And I'm actually just changing. Now I don't like colored house lights because they come straight down. I'd rather use like a light that actually like um, lights kind of from behind the people a little bit so it's not straight down their face so it's not distracting but you can still color them well um so i guess if that i don't know if that answers your question yeah no that's cool to see that shift i mean and in those trends are you seeing any other trends you'd like to you know tell us or pull us <laughs> yeah, into so, now that i mean um well one guy that um who's a really great designer is uh chase chase lights i don't know if you guys follow him or not uh he He's doing a lot of cool modernism and modern design. But I think um, if you guys are familiar with James Terrell, he's a famous artist, does art installations. And he does, if you Google him, he's got these crazy 
art installations that you actually walk into and it's all like one color and you're fully engulfed in this one color. Um, but uh, if you look at like uh, Mosaic in LA, they just change their whole uh, space and it's all white. And they kind of changed how they're lighting it and how they're filming it and how just what it looks like. And uh, I think people are going to kind of go that way. It's really just a, um, we are so overstimulated in today's culture with phones and screens and ads and so much stuff that I think we're going to kind of start to shift back to more of the liturgical church. That's kind of a little less is more and, uh, and really, kind of tone it down a little bit in churches. And I think, I think that's going to end up being a great direction that we go. That is fascinating. We always love asking people about the trends. Um, so speaking of some trends, there's a, a society trend of stepchildren just not getting as much attention. You know, you got the redheaded stepchild as a moniker. I can say that because I'm married to a redhead. Um, we feel like lighting often gets kind of relegated as a as a forgotten stepchild in the AV world. I mean, heck, it's even the last letter in AVL. So, I mean, how does lighting improve worship experiences? Should lighting, you know, should it be LAV? Or, oh my gosh, L, yeah, LAV. Yeah, I yeah, got it right. Love. Okay, love. What's, what's kind well, of your if you, opinion if on you that? Ask, if you ask uh, Daniel Connell, he'll tell you yes. He's like the only, I think he actually dubbed his company DC Pro. LAV because uh, he's an LD. And so I give him props for that. Uh, but yeah, I think lighting is, it, it's one of those things where it's like, we have to have uh, audio in the room because the preacher cannot talk to everybody and we have to have IMAG so then people can see him. And we just have to have just enough light to light the stage in the room. And then our, our budget just ran out is kind of how it, it feels like it rolls. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with the Reddit stepchild thing. I think that um, it's one of those things where uh, if you have a bunch of lights, it's much easier to make it look nice. And so then you give somebody six lights and you're like, all right, make it awesome. Make it look like elevation. And you're like, it's never going to look like that, you know? And it's way harder to program with a few lights than a bunch of lights for sure. Yeah. And I mean, what, what do you advise, you know, LDs or people who are helping, you know, volunteering with lights at smaller yeah. churches that don't have those, you know, the, the thousand lights, what do you advise they do whenever they get that kind of feedback? Like how to, how to handle that? Yeah, I would, I mean, in the past when I'm, when I've come in to do some consulting with churches and they're like, we want to look like, you know, we want to look like these guys. And I, I would usually say, Hey, can you show me some photos of stuff that you, you know, what's the direction you want to go. And then they'll show me a photo and I'm like, okay, well, you have eight lights here and there's 65 moving lights in this photo. So <laughs> it's probably not going to look like that. And no matter where I put the lights on stage, unless you guys want to buy another 50 lights, you know? And so I think that's a good, I think that's a good start to like, let's just talk realistically what we have to work with. And then, um, you know, using it to its full potential. I think sometimes people, even if there's only a few lights, they put them too close together often that you have all their lights and you're like, they're all right together next to each other. I'm like, if you spread them out a little bit, sometimes it'll actually look like there's more lights. Um, and also I'd say, take the time and program, program it out. Don't try to like punt it or do it on the fly or busking like, um, Oh, I'll just put them on some faders and wiggle them around. Like when worship's going, like if you actually take the time and like program it out and cue it out and here's the intro and here's the verse and here's the pre-course, here's the chorus and here's the like, 
and you have it everything queued out, it'll always look better than if you're just trying to do it on the fly. Um, tell us about what drew you to Zion City, where you're at currently. Yeah, so uh, after Bethel, so with Bethel, I was out of Bethel. And, um, and were you just touring tour. with Bethel? Yeah, so I was actually on staff at Bethel Music and Bethel Church. Okay. And so I was on tour doing their tours, and then I was also doing my own company, Fuller Lights, and I was on the road about 150 days a year. And I quickly realized uh, um, this is not sustainable. I have a couple kids, and I actually want them to know my name when I come home. And uh, so I was talking to my wife, like, hey, we need to do something different. And so and she was decided, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yes. And, and I'm like, what if we bought like a tiny house and some land and then we could like travel and have a sweet tiny house. And, uh, and my wife goes, well, if we're gonna have a tiny house, let's get one with wheels so we could drive around. And I'm like, like an RV. And she's like, yeah. So then four months later, we sold our house, sold everything. I left Bethel and we got on RV and we just took off. And so we were RVing full-time RVing for about a year uh, and loving it. And it was super fun. And that's a whole nother podcast in itself. But we were loving it, and then uh, and this little thing called COVID happened, mm. and uh, never I had that. like the week, well, yeah, I had the week lined up. Um, uh, I had the whole year lined up, like for jobs and gigs and everything. We're and it was gonna be awesome, and literally everything canceled within two weeks, like the whole year canceled. And so then we're sitting in an RV park in Florida, and I'm just like. All right, God, now what do you want us to do? So at this point, let me make sure I understand. You've left Bethel. You'd gone on this RV like extravaganza. So it's you're and you were just all it was all gig work. And now COVID's happened. It's dried up. Yes. And we sold everything like we were just. Yeah, we're just in the RV. And, um, and how and many so kids do you like, have? I have two girls. OK, uh, 10 and 12 right now. So that was a couple of years. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, God, what do you want? And I really, and I, my wife and I were praying and I just really felt like God say like, my church isn't going anywhere. And I'm like, uh, okay, God, like, yeah. And I kept, we kept praying and it just felt like he's like, okay, it's time to go back to my church. It's time to go back to a church. And so because of consulting with different churches, kind of big, larger churches around the country, uh, I'm like, okay. So I started sending off a couple of emails like, Hey, I'm open for a position looking for something like this, you know, and you're trying to not sound desperate, uh, you know, and, uh, I can be anywhere. I'm on wheels. Everything's packed up, you know? And, um, and so we started praying and, and there was a few things that came up and we we're just like, Oh, that's not it. I don't want to live in that area or whatnot. And then literally somebody from Zion city called and they're like, Hey, can you come help us with this project that we're working on? You know, we're building a studio, you know, like everyone else during COVID and, uh, and somebody that knew somebody from something got my number and I, and this guy called me and, and I'm like, sure, you know, I can totally help you guys out. And he's like, what do you do? And who are you? And like, didn't really know. And so I said, you know, we're actually looking for a gig full time at a church. And he's like, oh, my gosh, we're hiring that. And no joke, like the next week they flew me out next week. My wife and I flew out a month later. We said yes. And we're driving towards Arizona. They flew you out. You just told them you had the van. You said you could drive there. Well, we're in Florida. They're like, get here. We want to see. We want you to come see it. I'm like, I'm not driving all the way to Arizona unless it's a yes. Now, I have so. a super important question. When you got to Shoot. Tucson, did you post that RV on the side of the freeway <laughs> saying two bed, two bant? <laughs> that was you, Alex. Wasn't How did it? you know? How did you know? 
Oh my god. The paint gosh. actually started out as pink, but with the sun here, it faded to red. That's why I didn't think it was mine when you first started telling the story. Yep. Y'all are killing me. So how long have you been at Zion then? Like two years? So yeah, two years. Yep. We just hit two years and actually this week. So nice. And you're still consulting um, as well, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah, still at my company doing consulting and uh, a little bit of gear sales and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, I think um, the, I'd say one of the big things that have happened so far here, there's been tons of great wins, but when I got here, like it was the production department as a whole, unfortunately, everybody kind of left and moved on and been done. And so there was not room. There's nobody here. I took the position. I said, I'll take it if... I can hire a, a, a video director, a lighting director and an audio director. Cause they didn't have anybody. And they're like, yeah, sure. Fine. And I've, I've hired the video director so far and uh, two years later, but I, we went from like a dozen production volunteers two years ago when I got here and we had our, uh, our like a production team night dinner um, a couple months ago and we had 70 people there. So that's amazing. Um, that, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, a long journey, but it's, it's been great. So Alex, before I send you to your tech takeaway, which is where I'm going to ask for, you know, your unique piece of advice, I got one last question for you. What's been the biggest kind of shocker coming off of the road? Because you have had quite the journey here of, uh, you were, you were touring on the road when you're really young and then you went to the church world. Then you went for a year of the RV life and doing gig stuff. And then you go back to the church world full time. So what's been kind of the biggest surprise or lesson or challenge? Like just, that's a wild transition. So, um, What's that been like, or what's what, what would be one of those biggest challenges or or lessons or learned? Yeah, I think the uh, working at a church again after working for a church and then not working at a church, the the grind of the the, the every Sunday. Mm. You know, we do Wednesday night services also, so multiply that times two. So I and I think you can get so um, burnt out, tired, j- j- yeah, jaded so quickly. That if you're if you don't stay in a healthy spot, like you can become bitter, and I think that's why people do get bitter. You know, if you I'm doing it all by myself, and and I think so much, and maybe this goes into my whole. I'm supposed to give you something important to say at the end. This, you know, the that's uh, going to change somebody's life. Like I feel like production guys we walk around with like this badge of honor that says, Oh, we're first in last out. We work more hours than everybody. And we do all this. And I'm like, well, actually, if you just planned a little better, uh, you wouldn't have to be there so long, or maybe, you know, we should just hire some more people. Well, they're not good enough. Well, maybe we can hire somebody and you can actually like train them to become better, or you can like get some volunteers in here. And, but instead we like, we carry this, like this badge like yeah we're exhausted and burned out and and the whole world wouldn't work without us and all those things might be true but i'm like be smarter than that and one of my friends just took a job at a a church up in um in reno as a a td up there and and i was telling him he's starting out and he's all jazz and super excited and everything and i'm like dude that's awesome like that's great like keep that excitement that zeal always keep that but also like this is a marathon like this is not a sprint. Like church isn't. It, it is a marathon. And and I was telling him like if you can make one small adjustment every week, if you can make something a little bit better every week, by the end of the year in fifty two weeks, like where you started and where you ended is going to look tremendously different. 
And I think a lot of times we want to make these huge, you know, huge set builds, huge change, buy all this gear, do all these things. I'm like, if you can start just making small adjustments, hey, this week we're going to tackle the, the drum riser. The cables look like spaghetti. Like, let's just straighten up this thing this week. You know, next week, let's work on this. And I think when you can bite, when you can, you know, they say eat the elephant one bite at a time, when you can start breaking it down and making small little wins, they add up to big time at the end. Oh, wow. I think we just accidentally stumbled into your tech takeaway right there. The the trying to, you know, make one improvement every single week. I mean, yeah, that's 52 improvements by the end of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, we have we have done that here um, over the last two years. And and you when you're so close to something, you it's harder to see the change. Well, the thing, the real takeaway was we had all our production guys and we had a big meeting. We're like, all right. So this was this live stream for this last weekend. And everyone's like, wow, it looks so great. Whatever. Here's the live stream two years ago. We went back and watched it and it was like, oh my gosh. And you're like, and it was so bad. And you're like, okay, we did something like, and the, and everybody was encouraged, like, you know, from lighting to graphics, to video, to audio, like it sounded all of the areas have gotten better. And so uh, it was just really cool to say, Hey, you're part of that. You're part of something bigger than yourself. Tech. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That is, that is quite the change. Um, so where can people find you, man? What's uh, if someone's like, man, I gotta, I gotta talk to this Alex guy. He's got some challenges and some good wisdom. Yeah. Um, so my website's just fullerlights.com. So you can check that out, or you can hit me up on the socials, Fuller Lights, on you know Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, which I'm not really on Twitter very much, and I'm not on TikTok. You're not so on TikTok. What do you mean? We no, literally just posted our first TikTok today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm. Uh, nope. And so, uh, yeah, hit me up on those things. And my email is just fullerlights at gmail.com. Giving out the email on a public podcast. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so thank you guys for having me on your show. It's been fun. Yeah, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And hey, congratulations on Surviving Sunday. If you happen to make it through next Sunday as well, join us again for your weekly tech breather. Blake, uh, my tic-tac game is tight. Oh, yes. I mean, two X's and an O, and there you go. That's right. Uh, is that the new, is that like what kids are posting on these days, tic-tac? Yes, it's the tic-tac and the bean bags and the, these things. I mean, I uh, used to use the Facebook. Oh, yeah. Is big, that still cool? Big fan of the book face. Um, wherever you're at and wherever you may be, it typically has a place to put a link. And they should link to the Church Gear podcast, Toby, don't you think? I think so. I think that would be a blessing to anyone that could see it. And, you know, it would really make our day and we would just appreciate it. So, And if anybody has a picture of the two-bed, two-bant RV, this would be amazing to put in the show notes. It has to exist somewhere in the Google sphere. Make Toby's year. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works.